Hello, everyone. This is Regional Master Instructor Marty Miller here with my fellow Regional Master Instructor and dear friend, Miss Wendy Batts, on this week's Master Instructor Roundtable. Wendy, how are you doing today? I'm great, Marty. How are you? Good. Of course, I'm in a different location. This week, I happen to be in Phoenix, real close to NASM. Yes. And you know what? I left there not too long ago, but was there for 15 years and I absolutely love it. So I'm a little jealous, a little jealous, Marty. <laughs> you can tell me where to hit if I have time for lunch or dinner. I'll, I'll text you later. That's right. That's right. Well, I'm excited about today and I wanted to start out by saying thank you to all of our listeners and our NASM family that sends Marty and I comments and emails. Um, we really, really appreciate the feedback. We love the community that we've built, and we absolutely love to do these podcasts each and every week. Um, and we have gotten a lot of really positive feedback about our Hidden Gems podcast that we've done. I know we've done part one and part two. And, you know, Marty and I have a bunch of our favorite exercises. So the chance, you know, the the ability to be able to talk with you or talk through these with you and why we love them and why we do them. I just, uh, it, it makes it fun for us as well. So I just want to say thank you. And it does not go unnoticed and we cannot, uh, we wouldn't be here without you guys. So thanks. Yeah. Keep, I'm sorry to interrupt Wendy. I'm just going to say, keep the feedback coming. We're here for you. We come up with ideas, but we want to do what's most relevant to each and every one of you. And I can tell you, Wendy, being on the West coast, being an East coaster, I was up at three forty-five this morning. So I had plenty of time to get all my work in this morning. <laughs> So after all my mobility work, I did go down to the hotel gym and it is so nice when no one else is there. And I actually did one of these exercises today purposely. So I can talk about it in even greater depth. Yes. And I will say the ones that we chose today, some of them I do every single, not like every workout with my clients, because I do vary it up depending on their ability. But there are some like there's one dynamic stretch that I do very often. And so just wanted to uh, make sure we put that in one of these, um, you know, podcasts, because I think it serves a really big purpose. It does kind of like a little bit of everything. And so I'm excited to to, to jump right on in. So let's get started. Get to it. Yeah. Go so. Ahead. Yeah, I'll, I'll take this one, Marty, if you want to take the next one. But basically, this is what we're going to talk about. We're going to talk about, you know, basically three of our favorite exercises that that I do and then three that Marty does. And, you know, the overall effectiveness of, of why we choose the exercises that we do. Um, we're very, very big on rationales for, you know, uh, designing specific programs, but then very particular on the exercise choices and selections that we um, include into our programs for every client. Uh, Marty's big accidental exercise. We will do a kind of a recap. If you've listened to part one and two, you're going to see some of this um, as a, a a theme here. And then again, then we'll go into our specific exercises and why we chose them. And just for clarity's sake, Wendy, I love your exercises and do those as well. So I was just going to say, it's not like I don't <laughs> like yours. And I, so I do those, but I figured, you know, I, I didn't want to hijack the ones you'd already put out there. So and I'm we can't fan. necessarily say that they're mine. I mean, these are right. just that, <laughs> that we Wendy, see. They're the, the world's exercises. That's you right. have just found a way to really be creative and understand the true essence of what they offer. Oh, you make it sound so elegant. Thanks. <laughs> so I'll jump in here. So for those of you just joining us on the Match Instructor Roundtable, I'm Marty Miller here with Wendy Bats. And we are in part three of the hidden gems. So when he was just talking about accidental exercise, excuse me, but really what it comes down to is how we can be as impactful as possible with our programming and really dissecting exercises for sometimes things that either your client or even maybe you may overlook that 
these exercises can have such a big impact on your programming. So when we start, like, what are the movement patterns that you're mimicking? Is it triple flexion? Is it triple extension? I was on the coffee talk this morning, Wendy, shameless plug, but there's, there is a story behind it. And I was talking about push-up progressions because that was what I was doing today as well. And I told somebody how it's a dynamic plank. If I can't do a plank, I shouldn't be doing a push-up. So I put my push-up progressions in on a day like today when I'm traveling because it can condense some of the workout. I only had to do maybe one plank as a warm-up. And then that movement pattern is just a moving plank. And I went through some things. So again, getting people to think about not an exercise, but movement patterns. Why do we choose these? Of course, what phase of training, what movement pattern are we trying to you know, uh, produce a response in? And then how do the benefits client uh, the benefit, the client, there's got to be a benefit there. And then the example, the easiest one is a squat to row or whatever we want to do here. That's triple flexion, triple extension. And there's a lot of different exercises that will be challenging and appropriate for your client from triple flexion, triple extension for progressions and regressions. So instead of just saying today we're squatting in your mind, it's I'm doing a triple flexion, triple extension pattern. And how can I add more benefit to that exercise as long as it's appropriate for the client? And I think it's important to note too, you know, that age and sport and everything all plays an important part. I, I spoke with some parents actually yesterday. And, you know, one of the first questions that the parents have for me is, well, will this be sports specific? And my answer to that is no, it's not going to be sports specific. I'm going to make them move better, perform better at their highest level. So they're going to be very good at their sport, but I'm not their coach. And my job is to make them, you know, perform at their highest level at, at their best ability while reducing injury. And so at that point, it was like this aha moment to the parents, because again, if I say everything is sports related, what does that mean? And I think we have to be really careful and question that, especially when we're getting, you know, through the assessment and we're speaking with parents, if we're going to be working with some youth, that that's kind of important to, to talk about because if someone's playing baseball, I'm not going to have them, if they're a pitcher, do these repetitive motions. And I see that often in the gym, you know, they're going to go and throw, you know, 50 to 80 balls during practice or, or during the game. And then the next day they come in and see me and I'm putting like a ball on a cable and I'm having them do the same motion over and over and over again. Well, that repetitive mo motion can cause breakdown. Is it going to benefit the client? Not long-term, and with the different, you know, um, you know, resistance and everything, is that something that at that moment in time is going to make them better at their pitch? Is that going to in increase their speed? And instead, I will do the opposite muscles because if they've thrown a lot, obviously, you know, the anterior portion of their body is going to be very overactive and tired. And so therefore, I need to work on postural alignment. And so doing contralateral things on the opposite side, doing things to re realign their hips and to get power production in their glutes um, where one side's not stronger. So there's not any asymmetric or um, any kind of asymmetrical shift or asymmetries within the body is super important. And so when we talk about why are they chosen and why are they going to benefit the client, it's really important to think what what activities of daily living are you trying to achieve? Is it something that's going to be repetitive? that is going to not really be beneficial. And then at that point, how can you best program? So when we go through these exercises, think through all of that with your clients and see if there's a plug and play with some of the ones we talk about today, as well as what we've talked about in the past. Agree. I was just the way I always looked at it. More is not better. Better is better. <laughs> right. <laughs> simple, right? You know me, Wendy, how simple can I make something? 
You're a very simple creature, Marty. <laughs> well, I didn't expect that as a follow-up. I would expect something more like- Hey, you said it. I'm just confirming. And I was setting you up more to like, you know, at least, you know, make me feel a little bit better, but that's okay. I get it. But yes, I'm a very simple. Hey, simple's person. not bad. Remember, simple to complex. Start right. simple, Marty. <laughs> I'm the simple one. Wendy's the complex one. That's exactly. Complex. That's why we match well. That's We've why got we right here. <laughs> exactly. So Wendy, we already talked about movement patterns. We could, you know, kind of highlight this again. Some people say, oh, this person's running or bounding. Yes, it's a dynamic triple flexion, triple extension. So triple flexion, triple extension can start in the stabilization phase with one of Wendy's favorite exercises, and one I love as well is like a cobra. If you're doing it well, it is a total body movement. Now, the movement could be isometric in certain parts of the body, but it's a total body integration. So by the time someone's ready for this more complex exercise, you have worked on and built in that firing pattern. This shouldn't be new to them. If the bounding part of it may be new, the range of motion or the explosiveness of it may be new, but the movement pattern should not be new. This is not the time to give them a new movement pattern. If you really know how to look through and reverse engineer exercises and find some of these hidden gems, you're building towards this the entire time. So that's what I love about really being creative with our program design, keeping it simple since I'm a simple guy and, but knowing what's coming next. Well, yeah. And think about triple reflection and extension. That's just walking. I mean, you need that to be able to propel yourself Hopefully. forward. And, um, you know, again, I can talk about a bunch of different clients. I'm sorry for all the stories today, but I had, and Marty, I talked to you about this. I actually had a 12 year old that came in and literally never learned how to walk correctly from birth. And so now she's got a lot of issues um, within her hips because she's got weak muscles that never really turned on the way that they were supposed to. And the parents have just put her into competitive soccer. And so it's weird because when she's running, her patterning doesn't look as scary, if you will, as it is when she's walking. And there's a lot of pain and issues. And a lot of that, when I did, you know, the goniometer uh, um, movement assess or uh, assessments, I did her overall uh, transitional assessments. And then also when we actually had her in different positions, her range of motion was phenomenal. She had really good range of motion, but it was a, it was a strength issue. And so one of the reasons why we do what we do, and we're talking about some of this stuff and we're talking about flexion and extension and, and, you know, getting your body in right positioning is to avoid these issues, even at a young age that as she progressively gets older, if she's not careful, there's going to be a huge, huge problem because literally her external rotators were not firing at all. She could not do a sideline leg raise without her leg collapsing because she didn't have the strength to even lift it. And this is a 12 year old playing soccer or trying to play soccer. So um, and today on the Master Instructor Roundtable, myself, Wendy Batts, is here with Marty Miller, and we're talking about Hidden Gems Part 3. And before we start diving deep into our exercise selections, we always want to start with a little bit of a you know, background of why we do these. We did want to say thank you to all of those that love these because um, we enjoy doing them. But then also talking about when you're programming, and we've said this multiple times, and we will say this probably multiple more, that you just want to be very conscious of why you're programming what you're doing. Make sure you've got a good rationale, make sure it makes sense to the client, but then think about movement patterns just other than just exercise selection. Well said, Wendy. <laughs> Thanks, Can't wait man. to see your exercises. <laughs> so I'll, I'll jump in here. We, we already addressed this. Accidental exercise to me, the reason I came up with that term is somebody might be looking here or jumping on a skill mill thinking, okay, I'm doing my treadmill. Well, yes. But because it's non-motorized, there's the neurological response of controlling the acceleration, deceleration. 
there's the better hip extension that's required to make this belt move. There's the better dorsiflexion that's required because of the curve. You can't shuffle. There's more core activation because you're standing upright. There's extra metabolic expenditure because you're the one propelling the belt. So yes to the client. Oh, okay. I'm going to go do my five minutes on a skill mill. Great. But in the back of my mind and Wendy's mind and the way we want you to think is, can we sprinkle in a bunch of other benefits so that way they get more bang for their buck? Or maybe we have to identify things and say, well, that might be too risky for them at this point. Or this is better for them at this point because they're ready to progress and I can get more done in a shorter period of time. So this is that filter that we run things through. So we're always looking for those accidental exercises to get more out of our program. Well said. Let's dive in, Marty. Let's get her done. Maybe that's this is all you. Um, you know what? That's all I was going to say, but I wish you. Well, I know we can't. <laughs> well, I want to say that this is an advanced exercise. Okay, so this isn't something that if someone's brand new to the gym, someone that has never had any kind of background, has not gone through really understanding how to engage their core by doing the draw-in maneuver, by you know getting their glutes to fire correctly. And if there's a lot of strength and stability issues, this would not be one that I would start my clients out. However, with that being said, it is a really good total body exercise that can be broke up into multiple parts. And so we tried to find an image that's like from start almost up to finish. And again, the finishing could be fully standing and then coming back out of that exercise the way that they had, um, you know, from, from finish to, to start, you would reverse it the exact same way you came up. And um, I call this one just the get up. Um, some people will do a Turkish get up and stuff, but to me, it's just a, you know, a get up. And so here we're really needing to focus on core stabilization and strength. Obviously you can tell with the, um, the hip as well as the knee on your way up, it's very important that you've got good hip stability. It really works on building good hip strength. With the arm fully extended, you need to have really good lat extensibility as well in order to keep from compensating and, and having an arch in the lower back, as well as, you know, think about when you're standing up and in the position, basically the kneeling position to a stance, you know, you're building glute strength, you're working on that. And so when you're going through each and every motion, can someone lay flat and even just lift a kettlebell up from the floor? So again, can they start working on that and the shoulder um, stability? And then from there, can they sit up with it? Again, doing more of a crunch hip strength and it's overhead. So can they maintain that shoulder stability while they're doing something different? So multitasking, if you will, and then going through the different motions. And so to me, it's a great exercise for more advanced phase one Again, very slow and controlled movements, but then also getting them up to strength because again, it's a very good strength exercise. And so I put this one in here because sometimes people are scared of it. And I think it's very important that if you are going to do any type of get up that you go through and understand the different sections and what your body needs to perform it correctly, because if done incorrectly, it can actually not be a good exercise because it can, you know, you can end up getting some issues in the shoulder you know, in, in the hips and the lower back. And so you want to make sure that your client's ready for it, but it is definitely a good one to try um, if you've never done it. Yeah. And for those of you that are joining today's Master Structure Roundtable, I'm Marty Miller here with my co-host, Wendy Bats. We're talking about hidden gems. So Wendy just fired off her first one, the get up. And Wendy, you know, um, having a martial arts background, we used to do different type of exercises where you're getting off the floor mm -hmm. and it was 
your hip through being able to balance on one arm and things like that, thoracic mobility, all these cool things that are, are again, hidden into those, but there's nothing wrong with, as you said, when he's starting with a very small portion of this unloaded, like yeah. all my people, I, until you can do one unloaded, I don't give you anything. Yeah. But where I see a lot of people fail is they immediately go to a kettlebell. Like you got to own this first, but it, I, I love breaking it down into segments because mm-hmm. it's just every part of it is good. Well, that and too, you know, you know, the reason why I just call it the get up is because to your point, Marty, as a regression, can you get up off the floor? And I have a 70 year old um, that I work with that I've worked with for a very long time. And when we first started working together, he could not get off of the ground without getting, you know, looking like an old man, if you will. And that's what he used to say. I look like a quote old man. And I'm like, I don't know what that means, because to me, I don't look at people as old. I look at how they move. And he's like, well, look at this. And it was it was painful to watch him get off the floor. And so we worked very hard of ways that he can get off the floor because that's an activity of daily living. That's something that he needs. And and but it required a big thing, too, that actually I didn't put as a key point. It also required flexibility. And so he was lacking flexibility in order to, to get up, especially throughout his hip complex where he you know, he was just he was a hot mess. And so you know, this is something now that we can do with him. And he's like, check me out. I can get up off of the floor. And now you've got me with doing things with, you know, over my head, something in my hands. And so to me, I really liked it for this reason. And, you know, one of the things, and maybe this is another topic for us, I try to put ground-based training in every workout Mm -hmm. I do. So very good. Great choice, Wendy. So now we will, our amazing producer, Eric, we will move forward. And one that I like, um, spoiled, because I have this product at home, but I bought it for this reason is I love a good row. So triple flexion, triple extension. So, you know, I've been talking to some performance coaches and they're like, yeah, we don't really use rowing. I'm like, well, do you do squats? Do you do deadlifts? Do you do it? And they're like, yeah, yeah, yeah. I'm like, look at the motion of a proper row. It's unloaded, right? I can now drive, like there's four formal parts of a row, a catch, a drive, a finish and a recovery, but that's something you can learn. There's information out there. But if I can sequence from driving through the foot engaging the hips, engaging the upper body after I engage the hips and then pulling and then recovering, I can really get a lot of heavier pulls and do some really cool programming with it without technically rowing. So I don't, I don't row for 10,000 meters. I do other things for my long duration cardio, but I love when I'm going to do total body exercises, or if I'm going to do squats, if I'm going to do plyos, if I'm going to do any of those complex lifts, I have to get on the rower and groove that pattern after my warm up as that next activation part to make sure that I'm sequencing my body properly. And then on this one, I can throw on the magnetic resistance and pull heavy to increase just like our power phase. We pick up something heavy and then we immediately move quickly. So if I'm not, let's say I traveled and I'm jet lagged or whatever, if I'm not grooving this well, should I be under a bar? Should I be under a kettlebell? Should I be under some type of load? So this one gets my mind right, make sure my form and technique is right, or days that I don't have that equipment or days that I don't want to do that heavy lifting, I can still do it here in a safer, unloaded from the spine position for sure. And also for people who can't land on their foot, ankle, knee, hip, back, now I can get some of that explosive movement without having to leave the ground. So yes, you can row and it's a great total body cardiovascular work, but most people don't even realize what they're doing when they're doing that rowing sequence. So why not put some thought to it and use it really 
to help groove your movement pattern in triple flexion, triple extension. Yeah, I'm a big fan of the rower too. And that's probably my go-to cardio, you know, metabolic blast, if you will, if I'm not doing leg circuits or something like that for those same reasons. Plus, again, most of your clients are going to come in with the forward shoulders and forward head and everything. And so again, I'm working on things more explosively. Like you said, I can add tension to it or I can keep it light and just do it more for reps to try to get my shoulders down and back and really work on the rowing technique and fundamentals of that. So so big, big fan because I know my clients need it. We have access to it. And like with a lot of my athletes, you know, on days that we're training hard, like you said, with power, I will crank it up to the, you know, to 30 is it goes to the hardest one and I have them go as hard and as full out as they can for a minute. They hate me. They get 90 seconds recover. We go right back into it and that's our vertical load. So that's his finish right before we do the sled, by the way. Um, There's some cool things that you can do. We maybe talk about this later about watching how like how quickly their power decreases yeah. and using that as a benchmark you can look at power endurance i have some people like what's the max wattage you can pull from a dead stop stop or dead start and what's your max wattage in three poles so there's so much programming you can put behind it but first and foremost let's just look at the movement pattern get familiar with that and then you can really have some fun yeah and on today's master or master instructor roundtable, myself, Wendy Batts is here with Marty Miller, and we're talking about hidden gems part three. So we've talked about um, one of our exercises that we both really like and the purposes and rationales for why. First being the get up, uh, full body, core, you know, stability. There's a lot of different um, patterning reasons why we chose that exercise, as well as Marty just talked about the rower. And then now if we go to my next one, dun, 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 we're going to talk a little bit about one of my favorite exercises or stretches, whichever way you want to look at it, because it's a little bit of both, is the world's greatest stretch. So why is it called the world's greatest stretch? Maybe because it is, I don't know. <laughs> but there's a lot of different things that you're stretching. And again, this is more dynamic stretching. So there is movement involved. You're working through the available range of motion into multiple different um, aspects of the body. So again, when you're starting, you know, you're kind of getting into more of a kind of lunge position. You're really working the hip flexor and adductor magnus and getting a little bit more length there. When you're putting the arm down, you're actually, you know, really trying to, to think about getting, you know, think about the stretch that you're getting in your back. But then as you place your arm down and you rotate up, you're, you're working on thoracic rotation, which we know obviously should be the, the place where you're the most mobile in the spine. Unfortunately, most people don't seem to be that way because they're locked in that forward position. So it's a good way to open up. Again, you've got to think of what's happening at the calves. And oftentimes, Marty, too, these can be done in so many different ways. And so this is one you know, picture of someone that's getting ready to, to begin the rotation, uh, the thoracic rotation. But you know, after they do the thoracic rotation, I'll have people drop their knee down, stand straight up, go into a posterior tilt, get even more hip flexor, then try to come up and balance. So again, we're working on ankle stability or working on quad and glute, getting you up out of that and then repeating onto the next leg. So there's a lot of different ways that you can go about it. Are you using it only as flexibility? Are you using it as a dynamic flexibility to increase heart rate as well? Are you, you know, are you really trying to get good small stretches in each different positioning? And, you know, and that's why we say you can use it in all phases. Um, our latest version shows with dynamic, you know, flexibility can be integrated in that. Um, but I think there's a lot of fun ways that, and clients like this. It's like, let's do the world's greatest stretch. Why? Because it's the world's greatest stretch. Why wouldn't we? And you know what, Wendy, <laughs> uh, you know me, I do my 45 minutes, if I can, my mobility in the morning. This is the one of the ones I do, but I do it a little bit different because one, I have, mm -hmm. I'm not ready for dynamic at that time. I do this in a static position. The only difference mm -hmm. is 
I will put the back knee down because for me, I'm really looking at getting that adductor magnus on the front leg. Right. So now I could easily progress it right into an active or dynamic. I will do it dynamic later, but I, and I even hold the rotation statically mm -hmm. because I'm trying to get those little muscles to learn how to be in that position and strengthen them. So mm -hmm. it's, this is, this is a, a must do for most men, <laughs> but um, cause we're a little more restricted in the hips, but I love this one, but I do it static as well. Yeah. And that's why I, I agree. And that's why I said, you know, for me, there's a lot of different quote variations. And, the, and for that reason too, Marty, I'll, I'll have my clients put the back knee down because most people's quads and hip flexors, adductor magnus, there's so many different things in the hips as well that um, are just really, they're just really tight. And so this is a really good way to open it up. And um, so, yeah, that's the reason for this choice. Right. Love it. Now this one, I just wanted to break out something a little different. So I love the bent over kickbacks and the tricep part's the easy part. Now you can really make this where people get momentum and all that, but let's assume that they're doing it properly. I've had people in this position before. I've had people hinge. I've had people in stabilization. They would have earned this position of their total body. The only thing I do now is I allow them to hold the dumbbells. And again, I'm, I'm cueing them like a cobra down and back, hold that position. Now I have them. The final thing I talk about is the extension of the elbow. But yes, it's a great way to get some triceps in the gun show, as Wendy would say, but I'd rather do this than something that does that only isolates the triceps. Now, if I'm in a hypertrophy phase, things like that, of course, but I could still do a heavy lifting day and finish off with this as like a postural reset, you know, to burn out the tries a little bit. So feel free to get creative with it. I would highly recommend this is not for your max strength days, but <laughs> You could do it for hypertrophy. If you've gone through a good core stabilization and then you're doing 12 reps at a 202 tempo, you could hold this position. Again, somebody has to earn that, but you would have set them up for success in the previous phase. Mm -hmm. So, and Wendy, I have done this uh, for some power. What I'll do is I can use the bands and I have them really dial in and I have them move their arm explosively off a rigid core. Mm -hmm. And as long as they can keep everything around the core rigid and then move explosively with the arm, you could put that into power too, because there is something to be said about moving a limb explosively around a nice stable core. Absolutely. So I, I didn't really put that in there, but then I was thinking about, you know, I have hijacked it for power before and almost like a warm up and things like that. But I love this one. And anytime I can get my shoulders down and back, that's the key. Well, and, and like you said, there's so many different ways as well to progress this. I mean, you've got them just, you know, bent over on two feet, but oftentimes too, uh, what's a progression? We talk about the neural continuum. You go from two feet to one feet, and then you could also, you know, stand on a half foam roll or something where you're really working on your single leg balance still bent over. So you have that gravitational pull of having to keep your shoulders down and back and then going through it. And then, like you said, you could even go prone on a ball, making sure you're in triple extension with your feet up against the wall. And, you know, it, the exercise itself is like you said, Marty, the exercise itself. But if somebody can maintain good spinal position as well as neck control while they're doing this, it is going to be very, very beneficial. And the exercise itself is just the prime mover of the triceps. And so I really like this one for that that reason as well. Um, but be creative. Yeah, too. was in the right position. Like I when know. I saw that picture, was like, that's that a win. Pretty, pretty impressive. So on today's Master Instructor Roundtable, myself, Wendy Batson, and Marty Miller are talking about hidden gems. And so far, we've talked about a getup. We've talked about um, the rower. We've talked about the, I have to think about all the stuff we've talked about, talked Amazing about the world's greatest stretch. stretch. We just talked about uh, bent over tricep extensions. 
And the last one that I'm personally going to talk about is one of my absolutely favorite or absolute favorite exercises that people do so incorrectly. It kills me. However, when done the right way, it is extremely difficult. And when I say extremely difficult, I have NBA players trying to do this and they find it very difficult. And so it looks like it should be a piece of cake. However, you want to make sure that you've got proper progressions and regressions. You really need to have a good core stabilization exercise. This is done in a very slow motion and patterning because you're trying to maintain as the trainer, making sure that the client's knee can stay in line with the second and third toe when they're rotating, that they're actually rotating through either the hips, if you have them rotating more or just the thoracic spine, depending on the way that you're doing this. They're in an athletic position, so there is quad and glute activation when you're going through this, and it's extremely challenging on the balance. So the way that this is set up, think about this, and here's the directions, is if you're standing on your right leg, and your left leg, again, will be floating. So the floating leg does not leave that area. You're maintaining neutral position of the hips, and your arms need to be spread out like a wingspan. What you'll end up seeing as a common compensation is as one person starts to bring one arm back, the other one bends. And so they should be one windmill. There should be no break in the arms and it shouldn't be the arms that are moving really. It should be rotation through the thoracic spine and the hips. People think this is a shoulder exercise and it's not. It is actually trying to, yes, you have time over tension with your shoulders being out in that position, but the movement should be coming from the thoracic spine and the hips. And so, um, and so when somebody's going inward, their knee is often, you know, when they're going in, if you're standing on the right foot and you're going in, that seems like it's fine. It's when they start going to the left that their knee wants to cave in, their arches want to cave in and things start to go south. And so when we talk about you know, contralateral versus unilateral. Well, yes, because you're moving in different directions. Again, it is obviously with the rotation is a, um, you're working in basically all three planes, but you're really focusing more in the transverse plane. And if someone is really struggling with the arms, what I will do is grab either like, um, like a, you know, one of the mobility sticks or even like a, you know, something that is like a dowel rod and have my clients hold that in the beginning so they understand the movement. And then as they feel more comfortable in the patterning, remove that, do it with no weights first, and then you can add very small weights as they start to feel comfortable. Or again, think about lower body, so foam rollers and stuff like that. Love it, love it, love it. If you don't do it, do it, because it is awesome. Yeah, no, I love this one. The only thing that I've done from a modification is cross the arms so there's less balance mm -hmm. component so their your arms are close to your center of gravity just to teach people to move from their thoracic spine because as you said wendy you let their arms go out they start just moving their shoulders so sometimes i'll just have them here as as a starting point and it's just a little less for them to control but yeah this is a great exercise and the other thing too wendy you know i, I know you know this but sometimes i'll do a kickback stance so that way both feet are on the ground they just start with a tiptoe oh yeah they, have to regress it but this is a great exercise for sure. yeah and you know we say single leg to your point i mean start with two legs i mean that's how i usually teach my clients in the beginning because they understand the the motion and that's why i give them the stick so it is a way to cheat but yeah i mean you can definitely bring your arms in you know and who needs this well what sport doesn't need it what Everybody. person doesn't need it yes and so you know but it's one of those things that on the transverse plane we just don't do and i don't understand that so love it 
one of my no, favorites. I hope, I hope everyone takes this one away as well, because I think people know the world's greatest stretch. They may not have access to the rower. Kickback is a great exercise, but this one, everybody needs this one without a doubt. Try to spice it up a little, Marty. <laughs> so this one, I, I would encourage everyone to do this one as well. Not because it's a chest exercise, Wendy. Don't go there. Not because it's what? Oh, it's, it's a guy thing? <laughs> What's that? Simple creature Monday exercise. It's well, a chest you know, I grew up in that, that heyday, but I, I learned, I learned. So mm -hmm. I'm not, you know, that's not the most important exercise. That's on Tuesdays. That's what you learn. Anymore. Exactly. I learned to move it to Tuesday because that part of the gym is wide open. Yep. Now, the reason I like this one is I, I really want to encourage, just like you did with the single leg. Like, again, if we have to start with two, we understand that we're kind of fast forwarding it. I really encourage people to do single arm, single leg, unilateral type of stuff, because you will find some things if you're really paying attention that you're like, well, wait a minute. So yes, there's a bigger demand on core stabilization. Yes, there's increased neuromuscular coordination. So for today, for example, I know you may find this hard, Wendy, but they only stopped at 50 pound dumbbells and I could use 50, more than 50 pound dumbbells. But by doing one arm, that 50 pounds is more challenging on that one side because I'm not balanced. But what I loved about it today is it shows me it's a full body assessment. So I start with my feet on the ground, find my neutral arch position, find my neutral lumbar position. Then I start moving whichever arm I'm going to do. And when I was using my right arm, as I come down, you would, the left hip would want to potentially come up if it's not stable. So no problem. I was balanced. I was dialed in when I switched to my left arm and started doing, I could feel my right foot and my right glute were either I would rotate a little bit. Or I would have to work harder, even though the 50 pounds felt very easy from the chest part of it. So yes, it was a chest exercise, but I used it as a corrective exercise slash almost like an assessment process. And now I know that in certain positions, I would never identify that, but I have a little more work to do on my right side from a counter rotation standpoint, glute activation. So it's a cool exercise, but it also gave me a lot of information. Now with a client, you may not see it. It might not be drastic enough to see it, but you might say, Hey, where do you feel this? Which side do you feel more where you can just kind of focus on the chest? Where do you feel that your spine is moving a little bit? And they might tell you generally you can see it even if it's just a little bit, but I love this because, and I did a little more on that one side because I really needed to kind of dial in that counter rotation, that stabilization on my right side versus my left. So you heard it here. Marty tends to cheat on that Whoa. one side. So <laughs> no cheating. But if you do notice that a client is doing that, I you would work harder. You, yes, cheating. you're right. You would you would reduce the weight. You would think about you know making sure that they stay dialed within the five kinetic chain checkpoints. So right. I mean, all I had to do was focus. If I didn't focus, then there would have been a compensation. So I was able to do it, but I had I again because I do this exercise for that reason. I don't just do it because I want to put on Instagram one arm dumbbell press was I knew to focus on that side of my core to make sure that I did the same amount of work on both sides. But yes, I love it. <laughs> well, on today's master instructor Roundtable, Wendy Batts and Marty Miller talked about the hidden gems. And this is kind of part three, because this was asked by you guys for us to keep on bringing up different exercises to maybe Think of, you know, get you to think a little bit deeper in your programming. And so when we're looking at the key takeaways, I think it's extremely important to think about what are you doing? What are you training with specific muscles 
or are you training movements? Um, you obviously you want to train both, but if you can get, you know, more full body quote functional training, which just means movement, um, then, then there's going to be more benefit because you're going to have more muscles involved. Um, as Marty talks about a little bit about the accidental exercises, what can you do to throw in different things without your clients knowing it's an exercise, even though there's a lot of different benefits to what you're programming? Those are always fun to do. And, you know, we want you guys to give some of these a try. I mean, I know you've heard you've heard them, you've seen them, but if you haven't done them in a while yourself or, you know, your clients haven't, we're trying to get out of the I'm so bored. I do the same exercises because. Again, that should never, ever, ever be the case. And we always want to get you thinking a little bit deeper to make you um, hopefully learn a little bit more, but then also think about um, what's going to be really beneficial for your for your clients. Yep. And if you take this approach on every exercise, you may find your hidden gems that you like as well. Always. You yeah. always have your kind of go-tos, right? <laughs> I do. Right. Well, if you guys liked what you heard today, want to contact us with some, you know, or, or have a topic in mind, again, like you want us to cover, please feel free to email either one of us, but you can find me directly at wendy.bats at nasm.org, or you can find me on Instagram at wendy.bats13. And then my contact information will pop up here immediately. So you've got dr.martymiller72 for Instagram. And then my email is marty.miller at nasm.org. So Wendy, it's always a great time hanging out with you every week on the Master Trek Roundtable. And for all of you that checked us out, thank you so much. And we look forward to seeing you next week on the Master Trek Roundtable.